the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. As we head into Hour 2, it is a delight to bring back Congressman David Schweikert. He represents Arizona's 1st Congressional District. He's also the Vice Chair of the Joint Economic Committee of Congress. Uh, David, welcome back to the show. How are you, sir? Oh, actually, well, you know, I'm sitting here in my office in D.C. It's 7 o'clock. Um, I have my little girl here in town with me this week. There's a little camp. During the day, and we're going to do take a group on a tour of the Capitol tonight. Uh-huh. So. Well, tell her I yeah. said hi, Olivia. Please, please tell I her. I will. She knows me pretty well by now, I think. And, and Monday was a big day for the family. We finally finished the adoption of the little Congrats. boy. Congrats. So, That's yay. Wonderful. wonderful. Gosh, that just makes me so happy, David, and everyone else. You know, in these times, it's it's just nice to see these 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 sparkles and and signs of of good news. Oh, look, we're so incredibly blessed, and he's and he's healthy. Good. Um, I know you have a dozen things to talk about. There was one thing I wanted to throw out. Do it. Um, for everyone's listening, um, be careful. Uh, there's a number of groups out there that are trying to raise money off the community conservative community, um, sending out emails and texts and saying, you know, there's, they're doing the national defense authorization, you know, stop them from this amendment or make them put this in, send us $50. Mm-hmm. And I've already seen a couple of these that um, folks in Arizona have sent me, and I'm looking at them going, well, that amendment was never going to get adopted, or that one's already in the base text. But there's groups, they're, if anyone's interested in this subject, Look up the term scam PAC, P-A-C, Political Action Committee. Good. You would find out the millions and millions. Actually, there's one story about $140 million last cycle being stolen from conservative contributors. And, and they're going to con artists. And this is one of the things you've got to be prepared is if you're conservative and you've given some money to conservative causes, sometimes your name is sold mm-hmm. to these groups mm-hmm. that are out to not help the cause but to actually steal your money. I'm so glad you brought that up because <clears throat> I'm getting, and I, this is new, I, I, I'm getting more emails for fundraising for causes and issues than I've ever received in the past. So this is obviously a building, a, a growth industry, I suppose, is the way to put it, David. I'm glad you brought it up. Step one, one part, take one step back with me on this, too. There are issues, you know, that these organizations or groups are raising money off of there we should be able to also ask ourselves in some of these cases if not most of them how will my donation to that yeah. get me <laughs> yeah, how will my it. donation to x get me y i mean you know i usually get a question if i someone's upset about a tax or spending bill i tell them to call you um, yeah and they do okay <laughs> okay all right you know you you take the point though call you write your legislator or congressman or what have you people need to ask you know okay you have a problem with issue x you're getting a fundraising appeal to it take take one just small step and ask how are they going to do that how how yeah. does giving money to them do well, that yeah, like there was one group that would 
raise all this money, and then they would send us an email. Yeah, and that was the that was right. their excuse saying. Okay. Um, but there's this a third part of the scam, and that's the ones who are doing cell phone and email collection. Sign the petition. Give yeah. us your email address. Yeah, and the, you don't realize a couple weeks later they're calling like my campaign manager and saying, "Do you want to buy a list of uh-huh. conservative emails from your area?" Uh huh. And so it, it's. They're not actually lobbying us on anything. They're actually information collectors yeah. and then brokers. Yeah. And so, and you actually see that, like the old Stop Hillary group yeah. from several yeah. years ago yeah. that really spent no money to stop Hillary but raised stunning amounts of money. They now actually sell off parts of their list. Yeah. We saw a little bit of this. It's probably uncomfortable on our own side. I mean, it happens on both sides, but I remember, wasn't there something about this a few years ago with the building the wall kind of thing, too? Oh, yeah, yeah, right. and people went to jail yeah. on that one. That, yeah. that one was just a straight-up fraud. Yeah. They weren't smart enough to hide behind a pack yeah. Yeah. because now you have a constitutional issue of, yeah, they didn't use the money, as they said, but they were operating under political free speech, so it's very hard to prosecute the fraud. I, it's just my it's a good example of my thought, you know, is my $10 or $50 or $1,000 going to help? How is it going to help build a wall? You know, just ask well, yourself that question sometimes, right? And, and, and a brutal reality, got to have a moment of honesty here, this is much more pronounced on the conservative side. In we actually joke about it. It's called the conservative industrial complex. Yeah. We have all these people that get paid salaries, and they have really nice buildings, and their car lease are paid by raising all this money, and almost none of the resources actually go to help a, a political campaign I've or seen a it. cause I've seen it. or win a debate. Um, and so I ask everyone, be careful, yep, good. Um, because the scam artists now are using AI and chat robots and these things to build their list and to contact you. So it's a computer trying to scam you. And they only have to be successful a little bit, you know, to make the, yep. to, to make rent or make pay dirt. I get it. Um, like any scam, um, social so security. So that, that's my cons- consumer Good. conservative warning of Good. the day. I'm glad you did it. I hadn't. I'm glad you did it. Let's talk about another scam, uh, a political uh, one rather than a financial one. Uh, you gave a great floor speech, David, on uh, the tax proposals that the Democrats are. <laughs> Telling us, sir. They're you know, so yeah. mean about it. Take, take oh no, seriously. Take us there. I, take us I had there. one of them just basically come at me when the speech was done, saying, "I don't believe your math." <laughs> he yeah. was so upset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see. Propose repeal all of the 2017 tax cuts, including low income result. We're still stuck at 400. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, so the point is very, very simple. Um, the Dems lie to us. Can you imagine that? Saying, you know, we're only going to raise taxes on people over $400,000. Okay, let's pretend they're telling the truth on that line. Only 2% of the American population have an income over $200,000. And I was just trying to show you could take every dime of that population, and it doesn't come close to covering. We're borrow- In the last 12 months, we've borrowed $63,000 a second, mm-hmm. every second of every day, for the last 12 months, mm-hmm. $63,000 a second. And that's actually why, if you actually are honest and read the Bernie Sanders and the Elizabeth Warren, when they say we're going to tax rich people, they also have, we're going to confiscate unearned, unearned income. So we're going to say, we think you have assets of this, we're just going to take a part of it. 
mm-hmm. whether you've sold it or not, or you've had to recognize this, which is probably unconstitutional, and that's going to the Supreme Court right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but the level, and my fear is the scam that's really going on is the scale of the deficit. We're going to hit the end of this decade and be in so much financial trouble the Dems are going to roll out uh, a VAT, a value-added tax, on mm-hmm. every step of production. Mm-hmm. They're going to roll out some type of wealth tax. And Republicans are going to just be up against the wall because we're not going to know how to finance the debt anymore. And and so you, you have the thing I've been trying to explain is we are very close to every dime this year. We, we got a little reprieve because the student loan backed off, you know, two, three hundred million dollars. But we were functionally going to borrow every dime of discretionary. That means every dime of the military, every dime of what you think is government was going to be on borrowed money this year. The answer here, David, is not to be found in draining the bank accounts of the employer class. And well, but go ahead. Are the savers. Right. Are, are the savers. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That, that's right. It needs to be reminded all the time. But there isn't. There is a set of answers, and you know, we we talk about it quite quite too much in 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 the theoretical context when we say things like growth. I I, I did like this a report that recently came out on economic freedom that the Heritage Foundation put out um, their index of econ- economic freedom. And and it does show it does show that you can grow yourself into prosperity with an entire firmament or constellation of you know economic freedom indices, lower tax rates, sounder money, rule of law, proper appropriate trade, private property. I mean, there it's it's not just a theoretical thing. And the Heritage Foundation just did this study. I, I really like it. That yeah. kind of that kind of fills in the blanks on that. We we still have to deal with the reality, and this is where I always get myself in trouble, primary driver of U.S. debt is health care. We need a revolution in the cost. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you, David. All right, go back to your, go back to your uh, tour guiding of uh, Olivia <laughs> all around, and uh, next time I'm in Washington, D.C., uh, I'll, I'll give you my tour. I give a famous tour of Washington, D.C. I give a really good tour. I bet you would, and if you've ever been in the U.S. Capitol at night, it's a blast. Yeah. Call me. I don't sleep well. All I right. think I drink too you much show coffee me, you, All right. You, you do me the, t- the Capitol at night. I'll do you the Lincoln Memorial at night. How's that? Is that Brilliant. A trade? All right. All right, David. Take care, Seth. Go get them. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. I had mentioned earlier that the hearings with FBI Director uh, Christopher Wray, uh, probably, um, though they revealed a lot, are not going to be uh, revealed widely because most of the media will ignore them tomorrow. Most of the media will ignore it. Tomorrow, you go to the Washington Post page, there's nothing on it. You go to uh, CNN, you get hot tub-like water temps measured off the Florida coast. Uh, You get a story on how often one should go to the bathroom. And and, um, 
Ray Liotta's daughter on a posthumous Emmy nomination. Uh, a little bit on uh, the NATO uh, the NATO meetings. You go to the New York Times. It's, Na- it's uh, one, two, three, four stories on NATO. Nothing at all on the FBI hearings. Time was newspapers would have uh, been interested in discovering uh, violations from police agencies, especially the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Time was uh, newspapers were tripping over themselves to report on violations even when they had to – even even when they, when they had to elevate them beyond fact, violations of police agencies, investigative agencies. Um, so at the New York Times, despite successes at NATO summit, divisions remain. Um, listen, uh, the Joe Biden at NATO, um, I'm, I'm sure you all caught the story. He slept, th- he literally went to bed, canceled his appearance at the main NATO dinner. Because he said he needed to prepare for a major speech the next day, which would have been today. It's the first time a president has not gone to an official dinner at NATO because he needed to prepare for his speech the next day. You would think in a functioning White House that that speech would have been written weeks, perhaps even months in advance. The better part of this story is he was just too worn down to stay up. He was just too worn down to participate. That's what the story is here. Uh, Mika Brzezinski is getting a lot of attention for saying these stories about, you know, Biden's exhaustion and Biden's tripping, falling, and Biden's misdirection on stage cues is the staff's fault that the staff needs to understand that they are dealing with an 80-year-old man and they need to direct him appropriately. It's the staff's fault, and she's blaming the White House staff. There may be White House staff to blame, but it's not the people she identified. It's not the, it's not the advanced teams, and she even threw in the Secret Service there. It's not the Secret Service. It's, I happen to think, the people closest to Joe Biden, including indeed his spouse, who have put him through this and put us through this. What would you learn if you were reporting on the FBI hearings today? Well, here's some questions with Tom Massey and Christopher Ray and Jim Jordan and Christopher Ray. Remaining minute, I, w- I want to turn to another issue. Uh, George Hill, former FBI supervisory intelligence analyst in the Boston field office, told us that the Bank of America, uh, with no legal process, was uh, gave to the FBI gun purchase records uh, with, with no geographical boundaries for anybody that was a Bank of America customer. Is that true? Well, what I do know is that the, uh, a number of business community partners all the time, uh, including finance institutions, share information with us about possible criminal activity. And my understanding is that that's fully lawful. In the did specific, you, did you in the ask specific for that information? Instance, in the specific instance that you're asking about, my understanding is that that information was shared with field offices for information only, but then recalled to avoid even the appearance uh, of any kind of overreach. But my understanding is that that's a fully lawful process. We, was there a warrant involved? 
Again, my understanding is that the institution in question shared information with us, as happens all the time. Did you request the information? I can't speak to the specifics. Okay, well, we've got an email where it says the FBI did give the search queries to Bank of America, and Bank of America responded to the FBI and gave over this information without a search warrant. Do you believe there's any limitation on your ability to obtain gun purchase data or purchase information for people that for people who aren't suspects from banks without a warrant well now you're now you're asking a legal question which i would prefer to defer to the lawyers uh, since i'm not practicing as one right now including the department but what i will tell you is that my understanding is that the process by which we receive information from business community partners across a wide variety of industries including financial institutions sharing information with us about possible criminal activity is something that is fully lawful uh, under current uh, federal law. Maybe lawful, but it's not constitutional. I yield back. The gentleman yields uh, back. The gentlelady. Did the FBI ask financial institutions to turn over their customers' debit and credit card purchase history in the Washington, D.C. area for January 5th and 6th, 2021? Uh, I don't know the answer to that as I sit here right now. Well, we do, because Bank of America gave us this email from the FBI to Bank of America. Well. I am aware that Bank of America provided information to the FBI, but what communications occurred between the FBI and Bank of America about it? Let's read it. To recap our morning call, are you, we are prepared to action the following threshold. Customers transacting debit card, credit card, Washington, D.C. purchases between 1521-1621. That's scary enough. But then the next bullet point's even more scary. Any, any historical, capital letters, all capitals, any historical purchase of a firearm. You guys asked financial, it's at least Bank of America. We think more. Did you guys ask him? Again, I don't have the full sequence of the back and forth. You've got one, looks like you've got one email that I haven't seen before here. Um, so I don't know that I have the full exchange that this- Well, does this email trouble of... you as much as it does members of the Judiciary Committee? That the FBI is asking for every single, I mean, we had members of Congress here that week first time they're getting sworn in as a new member of Congress, their family in town, and you're sweeping, and they may happen to be a customer of Bank of America, and you're sweeping up every debit and credit card purchase of their family who are in town that week because their, their husband or their dad or their mom is getting sworn in as a new member of Congress. And then you're also saying, overlaying that information with, did you, did this person buy a firearm? And the question is? I'm just nervous about that. Are you nervous about that? As, as I think I've testified before, my understanding is that our engagement with Bank of America... Uh, Again, fully lawful, fully, fully legal, doesn't mean they have to do it uh, or that they should be able to do it or that they, in fact, can do it constitutionally. Um, this is the pattern of his series of answers throughout the day. Whenever he was asked about that sort of thing or the arrest, for example, of the abortion, anti-abortion activists or the or the um, or the or the uh, or, or the interference with social media companies on Hunter Biden's laptop or covid, as they call it, misinformation, he would say, well, we merely asked. We didn't demand And as a lot of the representatives here would say, what do you think it means when a company or a corporation gets asked something by the FBI? There's very little difference between demand, a subpoena, and them asking. You comply. This should be at the New York Times and the Washington Post.
Threats to our financial freedom and stability are growing. China, India, Russia, Brazil, Saudi Arabia, the list continues to grow. They're conducting international trade in local currencies now, not the U.S. dollar. Rising interest rates and bad loans are exposing the banking system and causing failures. The Biden administration is sending hundreds of billions of dollars abroad while depleting our strategic oil reserves and ignoring crumbling infrastructure here at home. However, the biggest financial threat may be coming from within. Central bank digital currency is real. The patents have been filed and the big banks have released plans for implementation. The vets at Midas Gold Group see devastating implications. The end of cash financial privacy, big government able to see your every purchase, ties to social credit, own private currency, gold and silver. Now get free silver just for asking Midas Gold Group how you can use your retirement to own physical gold. Call the Midas Gold Group today at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. Or visit them online at MidasGoldGroup.com. Trust the only precious metals dealer that I and Seb Gorka and thousands of you Already no, Matt Taibbi gets a little bit of this uh, very right context of what I was talking about with the FBI asking where have all the liberals gone? He writes yesterday a House committee released a series of documents showing without a doubt that the FBI has been forwarding thousands of content moderation requests to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. The documents not only contain incontrovertible evidence that our own FBI pressures tech companies to censor material, but that the Bureau is outsourcing works in some, such work in some cases to foreign governments, in this case the Ukraine. In this case Ukraine. Um, there can't possibly be controversy at this point as to whether or not this is censorship. And whether it's the FBI forwarding to Ukraine or asking for the removal of, of, of Aaron Maté or the Global Engagement Center, recommending action uh, on behalf of Canadian Global Research or the White House demanding the takedown of figures like Robert Kennedy Jr., the same types of behavior have now been captured over and over and over. And so in light of this, Taibbi says, I have to ask, where are the card-carrying liberals from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, people like me who always reflexively opposed restrictions on speech and government overreach. Is your argument that private companies can do what they want? Then why did you think otherwise in 1985 when Tipper Gore's Parents Music Resource Center suggested record companies voluntarily label songs that they thought were inappropriate? Do you now think it's not really censorship if the FBI merely makes its opinion known about content and doesn't order a takedown or order you to provide it? Did you think the same when the FBI sent a letter to Priority Records complaining about NWA's music? Did you agree then with the ACLU, whose Southern California chairman responded to the FBI's letter saying it is completely inappropriate for any government agency to try to influence what artists do? Is your belief that new forms of speech constitute harm and offense to such a degree that censorship is warranted? If so, why did you once support artists like Andre Serrano and his works, which Catholics insisted was an intolerable offense, and call it censorship when opponents like Al D'Amato and Jesse Helms tried to pull funding for Serrano from the National Endowment of the Arts? Wasn't the Hustler magazine spread suggesting Jerry Falwell in an inappropriate relationship 
offensive? Didn't you go to court over that to sue for the right for Hustler to say anything it wanted? The People versus Larry Flint became a movie you supported over that. If you're okay with the FBI collaborating on censorship, why oppose the original Patriot Act, suggesting you didn't even want the government looking at library records in search of Islamic terrorists? Why did you support the Dixie Chicks when they were blackballed for anti-war views after the Iraq invasion? Did you cheer them when you watched their documentary, Shut Up and Sing? Weren't those national security issues too? That wasn't even that long ago. Is Vladimir Putin that much more of a menace than al-Qaeda to justify the change in heart? The change in thinking of traditional American liberals is the only part of this censorship picture that still doesn't quite compute for me. I'd like to hear from anyone who has an explanation, a personal testimonial, anything. Yeah, I don't agree with everything Matt Taibbi says, but he's got that one right. There aren't any liberals anymore. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Mr. Dahl, what is our uh, political pin today, sir? In the tradition of yesterday, yes. continuing our conversation. That's a tradition, yesterday? The tradition of yesterday. Okay. Continuing the tradition that right. we started yeah. yesterday. Okay. I've got uh, Estes Kefauver for president. Oh, okay. He ran in uh, 50, don't tell me, he ran in 52? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. 1952. He was a party favorite in 52, but the party leaders didn't like him. He won New Hampshire and probably convinced Harry Truman that he couldn't win another term. Yeah. Much like uh, McCarthy did. Yeah, organized so, crime didn't yeah. like him. No, in fact, uh, yeah, gro- having grown up a bit in Vegas, I learned a lot about uh, the Kefauver committees yeah. and all that. Right. But also something a little noble about him, he was only one of two senators from the Southern delegation to not sign the uh, the Southern Pact. Right, yeah. right. That's a whole line of history we need to get revisit, actually. The other being, do you know this? Uh, okay, so he's one of two not to sign the Southern Pact. Do I even know who the other senator would have been? You would know the name, certainly. I, I would? Mm-hmm. Tennessee delegation. Didn't sign a Southern Pact. The Southern Pact. Uh, didn't sign it. Well, if it's Tennessee, I'm just going to throw out the guess of Gore Sr. Al Gore Sr. Yeah. That's right. Yep. Okay. He did, however, vote against the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Yes, yeah. Al Gore Sr. did do that. Uh, did you know a higher percentage of Republicans voted for it than Democrats? I did know that. Yeah, yep. mm-hmm. yeah, okay. Yeah. A lot of Democrats don't want people to know that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can see why. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, thank you for that, David. There's no uh, great time except uh, we're going to have Tevi Troy on in a little bit, talk about his column in the Wall Street Journal today. But I also wanted to, uh, which is on president's in anger over the story of Joe Biden in anger. But I also wanted to talk to him a little bit about what I brought up in my monologue on um, uh, communism in America, communism, uh, warnings about communism to Americans from ex-communists. There's the story I've been meaning to get to uh, from Ellen Bork titled China's influence operations in the U.S. demand closer Scrutiny, they are more widespread and more subtle than is generally understood. 
President Biden is sending his top cabinet officials to China, ostensibly to lessen tensions between Washington and Beijing. Secretary of State Antony Blinken visited in June. Secretary of the Treasury Janet Yellen visited last week. But in trying to warm U.S.-China relations, the Biden administration is playing into Beijing's hands by helping China's united front agenda. While the term United Front imply, what while the term United Front implies to Americans a common cause and a shared enterprise, to officials of the Chinese Communist Party, the term refers to the Leninistic tactic of exploiting and co-opting non-party groups to achieve the party's objectives. During his June 19th press conference in Beijing, Blinken said, quote, he discussed the importance of strengthening people-to-people exchanges between students, scholars, and business travelers in meetings with General Secretary Xi Jinping and other Chinese officials. This would have been music to the CCP leader's ears. People-to-people exchanges date to the beginning of the diplomatic relationship between the United States and the People's Republic of China. The 1972 Shanghai communique signed at the end of Richard Nixon's famous visit to China included a reference to him. More than 50 years later, there is overwhelming evidence that people-to-people exchanges are part of the CCP's influence operations inside the United States. According to a report from a bipartisan Hoover Institution working group, such exchanges have, quote, always been viewed as a practical political tool by Beijing, and all of China's exchange organizations have been assigned political missions, close quote. Americans may perceive the Chinese groups that operate the exchanges as similar to our own educational nonprofit or business organizations. But in fact, as that Hoover report warned, quote, no mainland Chinese organization in the United States is free of Beijing's control, even if it is not formally part of the United Front, close quote. Remember that. The CCP's influence efforts target American government and not just the federal government in Washington, D.C. intelligence agencies have warned that the PRC is intensifying influence activities at the state and local levels as well. In the United States and in other democracies, United Front efforts are guided by an old Mao directive to, quote, target local entities in order to weaken the national core, an approach known as the countryside encircling the city. American higher education is another prime target. In recent years, scrutiny from the Trump administration, Congress, news outlets, and various researchers has exposed the nature of Chinese-funded and directed programs on campuses, especially the Confucius Institutes, which advance the CCP line on politically sensitive issues and seek to chill criticism of China's shortcomings in human rights abuses. Chinese student and scholar associations may offer some conventional activities for overseas students, but they also receive instructions from Chinese diplomats and have been linked to acts of intimidation against other Chinese students who have spoken out about Chinese repression. Reports have shown that although the number of Confucius Institutes has declined, the overall picture is more complicated and disturbing. Some have been renamed or moved within the universities. Craig Singleton over at the Foundation for Defense of Democracies reports that the institutes were disproportionately placed at research universities where they could advance the effort to acquire technology for Chinese for China's military modernization and expansion. One stubborn obstacle to dealing with Chinese influence activities on campus is the university officials and faculty have accepted uncritically the CCP's conflation of itself with China. 
As Perry Link, a scholar of China and the Chinese language at University of California, Riverside, put it in congressional testimony, quote, A common, almost universal mistake among U.S. academic administrators is to accept the CCP as the authentic voice of China, close quote. As uh, noted in Hudson Institute policy memo, the China director at Human Rights Watch told the Hudson Institute she has encountered administrators who, quote, simply, literally, did not see and therefore did not understand the problem. They had no concept of the apparatus of party state repression, especially overseas, and could not believe it had real consequences for people on their campuses. As a result, the CCP has been able to neutralize criticism of its repression, aggression, and assault on democratic values by casting it as anti-China, racist, or xenophobic. Sound familiar? Who else has been trying to sanitize the CCP by claiming any criticism of China is anti-China, racist, or xenophobic? Anyone remember how that mantle was grabbed in 2020? I sure do. What do we got, a little Bob Newhart there? Let's enjoy. Inflation, talk of a recession, the stock market's volatility, bank failures. Where do you go to invest? Well, why refi has an answer because they have a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. A portfolio where you can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it whatever you like, and no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio from Y-Refi, and they are based here locally. I encourage you to stop by their offices. They're on Scottsdale Road in the 101. I've been there. You won't get a sales pitch, and no one's going to ask you to sign anything. But when you do meet with the team at Y-Refi, you'll see why I like and trust them so much, and you will too. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm. You can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Just log on to investyrefi.com to learn a little bit more. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or call them at 888-YREFI-34, 888-YREFI-34. David Dahl, you, um, you're still doing your Instagram uh cooking. I know the Bible says man does not live by bread alone, but boy, did you really give me a run for that with what you showed me earlier today. Tell the audience what you did. <laughs> I homemade a chicken pot pie. And you put it up on Instagram how you did it. I, I, I haven't posted it yet. Will you it's, be? It, yeah. yeah uh, oh, my Lord. Yeah, and if you're interested in following me on Instagram, it's Answer the Call with Doll, uh, and I put a lot of cooking videos up there and some personal stuff as well. We have explored trying to get it to collaborate with Twitter, but for whatever reason, I think ever since they came out with that new Threads app, uh, Instagram and Twitter don't like each other anymore. All right, so if you want to see David cooking... It really has to go on Instagram. And that yeah. and that is... What, how do they do it again? Answer the call with Doll. That's, Answer that's the call with Doll. D-O-L-L. Yeah. And if they want to follow you on Twitter... It's it, underscore David underscore doll. That's at a underscore David simple. underscore doll. Well, it looked yeah. delicious. Yeah, it's it's a homemade chicken pot. Pie. I don't. I, I'm not one for chicken pot crust, pie, but I'll tell you that crust carrots, looked perfect. Peas, yeah. chicken. Uh, I did. I did a flour mixture. And you throw in some music. Yeah, I'm gonna put in some music in there, and you know, we'll you know, we'll see what what's gonna go well. What was the, the dish you did before that? Was it an Indian dish? You did something else before that? I did an Indian dish. It was onion bhaji. That's right. Yeah, it's it's like uh, and Indian that is on Instagram. Mm-hmm. That's on Instagram right now. 
It's like Indian onion rings. It's uh, it's a. I, I think we're going to look into doing a contest here. A contest where you're gonna where the winner is going to get a meal with that you cook for the contest winner and me and you. Watch out! I'm just exploring grilling. <laughs> it looks great. Yeah. It looks great. Would people be interested in that? I bet they would. Yeah. Yeah. You would too. You wouldn't mind cooking for four or five, would you? Or six? No, no. As long okay. as I get to eat what I make. Yeah, right? of course yeah, you yeah, would. Yeah. As I'm long as we party. get to eat what you make. Yeah. All right. Tevi Troy coming up. He's got a lot to talk to us about. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 